Tosi Maharani Ki Jai, Samaveta Bhaktivinoda Ki Jai, Gaur Premanande. All glorious to the assembled devotees. All glorious to the assembled devotees. All glorious to the assembled devotees. All glorious to Sri Guru Narga.
sort of life. Bhutale, on the ground. Niravastare, without bedding. Shainam, lying down. Hasya, look. Shakyuman, O killer of enemies. Translation in purport by Srila Prabhupada. We should note what is being compared here to the exploitation of women. It's quite interesting. Translation, all the women address the king. Oh, master of the citizens, we do not know why your dear wife has taken on this sort of existence. Oh, killer of enemies, kindly look. She is lying on the ground without bedding. We cannot understand why she's acting this way. When a person is devoid of devotional service or Vishnu Bhakti, he takes too many sinful activities. King Paranjana left home, neglected his own wife, and engaged himself in killing animals. What was he doing? He was killing animals. And this is going to be compared to? Hunting women. So here Bhagavatam is comparing the exploitation of women to the killing of animals. Continuing, this is the position of all materialistic men. They do not care for a married, chaste wife. They take the wife only as an instrument for sense enjoyment, not as a means for devotional service. So the wife is meant as a means for devotional service. To have unrestricted sex life, the karmis work very hard. Sometimes we think we have to work very hard in Krishna consciousness, but the non-devotees are also working very hard. They have concluded that the best course is to have sex with anyone and simply pay the price for her as though she were a mercantile commodity. So that's the, the secret as to why exploitation of women and animal killing are very much related. Because those who exploit women see women as a mercantile commodity, something you buy, a thing, an object. Thus they engage their energy in working very hard for such material acquisition. So they think of women as a material acquisition. Such materialistic people have lost their good intelligence. They must search out their intelligence within the heart. It's interesting. Prabhupada saying, search out your intelligence within the heart. A person who does not have a chaste wife accepted by religious principles always has a bewildered intelligence. That's an interesting sentence. Should we read that again? A person who does not have a chaste wife accepted by religious principles always has a bewildered intelligence. Is that an absolute statement? Is that an absolute statement? No, it can't be. What would be the problem if that was an absolute statement? All the brahmacharis and sannyasis would all be bewildered. Or the Grahastas who have a lousy wife. Finish, no chance for that. So this has to be, we always have to be careful. You know, sometimes we have Shastra wars. Isn't it? People take a quote from here and there like a weapon and throw it at each other and the internet is facilitating this. Prabhupada said this. So things have to be understood in context. So this is in the, the context of a married man. It's not in the context of a renunciate. Although we'll talk also about renunciates today. Going on. The wife of King Paranjana was lying on the ground because she was neglected by her husband. So about a year or so ago when I was in Radhadesh, one devotee asked in the class, said we always hear about how the women should serve the husband. How should the husband take care of the wife? So here very nicely explained. Prabhupada says, actually the woman must always be protected by her husband. We always speak of the goddess of fortune as being placed on the chest of Narayana. In other words, the wife must remain embraced by her husband. All the time? 
his wife in, while he was giving Bhagavatam class. So he can do that, but generally, you know, we don't say, well, Prabhupada says the wife must always be embraced by the husband, so. Thus she becomes beloved and well protected. Beloved. Prabhupada's using the word beloved. There should be some love. Just as one saves his money and places it under his own personal protection, one should similarly protect his wife by his own personal supervision. So you don't give your wife to be protected by somebody else. I think we have this problem especially here in this community, don't we? The men think there's a wall. I'll let me leave my wife and go elsewhere. And make money, just send her the money and not take care. Do we have this problem? Islam will take care. The government will take care. I'll just dump my wife and go. So one should similarly protect his wife by his own personal supervision. Just as intelligence is always within the heart, so a beloved, Prophet again using the word beloved, beloved chaste wife should always have her place on the chest of a good husband. Again, does that mean literally? Is that literal? No. In other words, they should always be cared for. This is the proper relationship between husband and wife. A wife is therefore called Arndagani or half of the body. One cannot remain with only one leg, one hand, or only one side of the body. He must have two sides. Similarly, according to nature's way, husband and wife should live together. In the lower species of life, among birds and animals, it is seen that by nature's arrangement, the husband and wife live together. It is similarly ideal in human life for the husband and wife to live together. The home should be a place for devotional service. I hear Prabhupada saying something he repeats quite a bit in his purports. And the wife should be chaste and accepted by a ritualistic ceremony. So in modern society, especially in Northern Europe, they're not having this ritualistic ceremony anymore. You're familiar with this? No more marriage. Now, like half of people, they're living together without marriage. And this is coming now into our ISKCON movement. More and more, I'm going places and people are, you know, they're living together three years, four years, five years, no marriage. So, Prabhupada says, says in several weeks, purpose, chaste and accepted by a ritualistic ceremony. Last sentence, in this way, one can become happy at home. One can become, what at home? Miserable, right? Because you're a devotee, so everything's miserable. No, what does Prabhupada say? Just like Krishna says in the third chapter, that by doing yagya, one can live happily and attain liberation. Both. We are not propounding that material, material life is already miserable, to call it Shashvatam. But we're saying that if you become Krishna conscious, even materially, you will be happy. Rama taken on this sort of existence. Oh, killer of enemies, kindly look. She's lying on the ground without bedding. You cannot understand why she is acting this way. So this is the modern women. Modern women are neglected, lying on the ground without bedding, while the men are going hunting. This is the modern situation. And of course, the modern women are told, uh, you make yourself a mercantile commodity. And that way you will be happy. So why is the exploitation of women compared to animal killing? How is it possible to kill an animal? You have to think of the animal as an object. As soon as you think of the animal as a living entity, Pandita Samadarshina, with feelings like you and desires like you, a soul, can you kill it? Is that possible? Not possible. I mean, unless you're really a psychopath, I suppose. You can only kill the animal if you think it's an object. Like we see in New York City, there's the trucks transporting the meat, and on the sides, there's little cartoons smiling cows. You know, where you see sometimes an advertisement for McDonald's, and they show like smiling hamburgers. That people think it's an object. The animal's just an object. If it's an object, I can do what I want with it. Of 
course, even an object, we should not do what we want with it, because even the objects belong to Krishna. We devotees of Krishna, we do not even mistreat objects, just like in the beginning of the movement, Hayagriva Prabhu moves something with his foot. And Prabhupada says, don't move things with your foot. And Hayagriva said, then better I should cut off my foot. Prabhupada said, yes. Not that he wanted him to cut off his foot. The point is there. We respect even objects. Everywhere is Krishna. Krishna is even in the microphone, in the table, in the floor, in the cup, and every even thing should be treated with respect. Actually, in a Varnashram society, the Shudras are protecting the things. Instead of mass produced in the factory, everything is a work of art done with love and offered to Krishna. So there's even a concept of respecting objects. When we say we have our quota, like the Ishapanishad says we have a quota, that's not my quota to destroy. It's not like, oh, this is my glasses case for me to destroy. This is my glasses case to use in Krishna's service, not to do whatever I want with it. So even objects, we don't think that the soil, the air, the water is ours to pollute, is ours to exploit, is ours to rape and to destroy. We think it's ours to protect. What to speak of a living entity? I mean, if we feel this way, we're supposed to feel this way about our chairs and our computer and our shoes and our clothes. These are Krishna's things to take care of with love for Him. How much more so should we think like that of another jiva? Mama Kamsa Jiva Loke Jiva Bhutasanathana. They're all part of Krishna. So there's many reasons why we're vegetarian. Ultimately, Dr. Krishnapalam Tayamiyomi Dr. Brajiji. That Krishna says, offer me leaf, flower, fruit, and water. We know Krishna takes care of the cows. So Krishna doesn't eat meat, fish, or eggs. So that's our ultimate reason. But we're also vegetarians because we don't want to cause any harm to any other living being. Isn't that a fact? So to be a meat eater, you have to think, this animal is just something for my pleasure. I can use the animal for my pleasure to take milk, and when I'm finished taking the milk, I can use for my pleasure to kill and eat. Why should I have to take care? So it's exactly the same mentality, exactly the same mentality with the exploitation of women. One sees the woman, as Prabhupada says here, as a mercantile commodity, an object, not as a living entity with feelings and desires and personality. And of course, the women are trained to see themselves like this also. The women are trained, see yourself as an object. And if you see yourself as an object, then you can manipulate and control the men through lust and the women through envy. So right now, of course, the main preaching in the world is that we are all simply objects. We all came out of primordial soup and through a series of cosmic mistakes, uh, we become human beings. And we're nothing but this body and this brain. We're just a lump, lump of you know, water and carbon and etc. That all anyone is, man, woman, animal, anything, is just a mercantile commodity and it's simply the fittest survives. So that's the general mood in the world. But we in the Hare Krishna movement, we should not have this mood about anyone or anything. Not about anyone or anything. So how does this happen? It happens if you think about what is the original source of our conditioned consciousness. As very nicely explained by Bhaktivinoda Thakur in his commentary on the 15th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, which the Prabhupada summarizes in the last purport, the weakness of heart. What is the first weakness of heart? Anybody know? Last group, 15th chapter of Bhagavad Gita. Come on, guess. What's our first problem? What's our root? Envy of? What do I want to be? I want to be Krishna. I want to be the Lord. Well, if I'm going to be the Lord, 
What am I going to be the Lord of? What will I be the Lord of? Everything around, which is called? What do we call everything? Not just material major. Everything. Property. I'll be the Lord of property. I want to be the Purusha and I want to be the Lord of property. Just like that uh, Rikasura, he wanted to kill Lord Shiva to get Gauri. So we want to enjoy Radharada. We want to enjoy Lakshmi That's Ravana, isn't it? He's the quintessential materialist. Let me take Sita Devi and enjoy her myself. Correct? So this is the essence of our weakness of heart. I want to enjoy the feminine energy. And one can do that in a male form, that you enjoy the feminine energy as your girlfriend, your wife. One can do it in a female form, you enjoy the feminine energy in your own body. But the essence is the same. I want to be the master of property. I want to be the controller of property. Now, if I want to be the controller of property, then I see property as a mercantile commodity, as an enjoyable object of my enjoyment. Of course, the origin of proper feminine energy is Sita Devi and Lakshmi Devi and Radhamani, who, as Prabhupada talks about in his purport, the feminine energy is meant as a source of energy, a source of inspiration. Or here, Bhagavatam is comparing, shockingly, women to intelligence. What a shock in the Hare Krishna movement. But it's in the Bhagavatam. What can I do? That's the verse you gave me to speak on. I'm not making it up. Prabhupada says there's no difference between a good wife and good intelligence. Symbolically here, the female is the intelligence. The proper female. It says that if you worship Srimati Radharani, she gives you the intelligence how to advance quickly in devotion service. So that is the proper use of the feminine as devotional energy. Prabhupada says it's so nice here. Right? A means for devotional service. That we are what? Daivin Prakriti Mashritana. Mahatmanastumamparta. Daivin Prakriti Mashritana. That we don't try to control the feminine energy. We try to be under the control of Daivin Prakriti Mashritana. Control under Srimati Radhamadhi. Everyone, whether we're in a male form or a female form or a brahmachari or sannyasi or grasta or whatever, or who knows what we are, or ten times divorced, whatever we are. Whether you're on plan A or plan Z. We're all supposed to be under the shelter of Srimati That is the proper, and the nature of the proper feminine energy is serving Improper feminine energy is I'm going to be Maya. And proper feminine energy is I'm going to serve uh, Krishna under the auspices of Srimati Radharani, under the auspices of Mahaprabhu. But at the root of our material attachment is I want to be the Lord of Maya. I want to be the Lord of Mahaprabhu. That's the root. So it's very, very, very difficult to get rid of this idea of woman as object. And we see that even religious people often talk about women as object in a negative way, isn't it? So you have some materialistic people, women are an object just for me to exploit for sex. And other people, women, are an object just to serve me. They should just be cooking and cleaning and serve me and never do anything else. Even many religious people, they think women have no personality. Have you ever heard this? Say women have no personality, they have no nature, they have no desires. They just become like whoever they marry. They have no nature of their own. A strange concept. They'll say, I've heard even in our Krishna movement, women have no varna. I say, then what's the pratimoman anumam? Why in the Bhagavatam do we find so much consideration that you marry someone of the same varna? When a Jambio married there or whatever, cohabited with the 
Brahmin. She didn't become a Brahmin. She, she actually pulled the job meal down. She had her own nature. So this tendency to see women as an object instead of a person persists even in religious societies and persists in the name of religion. The women are just things. The problem is if you see the women as things, eventually you may see them as enjoyable things. And so we've seen, even in our Hare Krishna movement, we have to be honest, that even renunciates who keep their renunciation by seeing women as detestable objects, eventually will see them as delectable objects. Because they're seeing them as objects. Does that make sense to everybody? One should be free from attachment and aversion. So the essence of renunciation is not to see women as detestable objects. Women are not objects, they're people. The essence of renunciation is seen just like one sees animals. One sees also the women, they're a soul. And they're meant to be used for Krishna. Just like Prabhupada wrote a letter to Bhagavani, very funny letter. He said, you should see all the women as gopis for Krishna's enjoyment. And he wrote that letter. Not for my enjoyment. So the woman should look at the mirror and say, Oh, I am a woman. I am an object. And the man shouldn't see women as, Oh, there is an object for me to either hate or desire. But that is the essence of a materialistic consciousness. We see I am the Lord of matter and everything is matter. All living entities are here for me to exploit and me to enjoy. So what is the proper use of the woman? We're going to look at for householders and we're going to look at for renunciates. So here mostly is talking about the householders, but I thought we'd talk about renunciates because some of you are renunciates and I don't want you to be bored. So here it says that the wife should be twice. Prabhupada uses the word, what word is used? Twice. Beloved. Beloved. Now a man might think, well, if I have love for my wife, then I'm just going to become overwhelmingly attracted to her and just try to exploit her. But then again, that's, that's love for an option. If I love somebody, if I really love somebody, then I want what's best for them, and I want to engage them in a way that they will be happy. I actually care about them. And well protected. Personally protected. Now, like we visit the Middle East and there are so many men working there and they haven't seen their family in four years. They're just sending back the money. But personally protected. Make some personal direct arrangement. And the wife should be chaste. Of course, in our modern society, this is sometimes very difficult. We have women coming to our Krishna consciousness movement, they're already unchaste. But at least for our daughters, our granddaughters, our great-granddaughters, we should raise them to be chaste. And then Prabhupada says, accepted in a ritualistic ceremony. Why does he emphasize this? It's a sense of yagya. I'm doing this for Krishna. I'm taking care of this woman, taking care of this man for Krishna. Not for my sense gratification, not whimsically. As an offering to Krishna. But I really like Bhaktivinoda Thakur talks about how he sees his family members as Krishna's maidservants and manservants, and he's taking care of them as his offering to Krishna. He's earning money, he's maintaining the household, just like we may earn money and maintain the temple. He sees the house as a temple. And then for the renunciates. It's so interesting here because Prabhupada says that without a good wife you only have half a body. And you have a bewildered intelligence. So how is a renunciate, a complete person, with a solid intelligence? So for most of the people of the world, in order to be a complete person with a solid intelligence, one has to go through the Grahasta The vast majority of people, well over 90%, are very 
and you must die. They're imbalanced. If one doesn't need to go through the Grahastha Ashram, what does this mean? He can be a balanced, he or she sometimes can be a balanced person without that. A complete balanced person with solid intelligence. How does one do that? So in the place where I was staying, there's a big picture of Hanuman. Hanuman is Brahmacharya. And this picture of Hanuman, he's going like this. You know what he's doing? He's showing his heart. And who's in his heart? Just Ram? That is how the renunciate is a balanced whole person. The real renunciate, the Vaishnava renunciate, not the Mayavadi renunciate who tries to just have a void in his heart into which he sometimes falls and smashes his head. But the Vaishnava renunciate, in their heart, there is Radhamadha. There is Mahaprabhu. The real balanced, joyful renunciate they are in touch with the ultimate feminine energy also. The balanced renunciate doesn't hate the feminine energy, otherwise you'll be hating Srimati Radharani. You'll be hating Mahaprabhu. You have a hard time in the temple where you're going to go. I guess you can go to the Singha Day's altar, Washington Devi's nothing. Hang out there. It'll be a little difficult. And we've seen, I mean we have to be honest. I've been in this Hare Krishna movement a long time. And so many renunciates who try to be renounced by being imbalanced and standing on one leg and they fall over. Usually in some very embarrassing way. Or they become hard-hearted and nasty and angry and such. But we see the balanced, happy renunciates, they have Radha Krishna in their hearts. They're in touch with the complete whole. Right? With the complete whole. And it's so lovely in the first canto Bhagavatam, chapter 8, where Queen Kunti is talking about that she wants to sever her tie of affection for her kinsmen. And Srila Prabhupada writes, I'm not sure if it's in the purport or in the lecture which he gives, which is in the teachings of Queen Kunti, where he says that the renunciate gives up family attachment by broadening their affection. So instead of thinking, okay, I'm especially attached to this wife and this child, they love everyone. And real love. The householder has some license, especially in the beginning, when one is young and the desires are very strong, to think, oh, this is my enjoyable object. Happen, you know, when you're 20 years old. But the idea is in householder life, by the time you've come to 50, you don't see your husband or your wife as an enjoyable object. First, you've taken, okay, no other women, just the wife. Just my one wife. And then gradually see, oh, she's my intelligence. She's my means for devotional service. She's my beloved. She's my person to protect. She's my person to take care of in service. And then being able to see all women, oh, they're part and parcel of Krishna. The renunciate doesn't have to go through the Grahastha life. Most renunciates have to go through Grahastha life to become renounced as one trust and sannyasi. But those who can stay renounced all life, they seem like that from the beginning. I don't exploit anyone. Everyone is my beloved. Everyone is there for me to engage in service. Everyone is for me to respect. And then depending on our position, we respect and engage others in service appropriately. So Prabhupada says the women see the men who are not her husband as her father or her son. The men see the women who are not their wife as their mother. Why? Because there's respect for mother. You don't see your mother as someone, as a detestable object. I hope maybe in modern society some people see their mother as a detestable object. You see everyone. How can we engage them in service according to their propensity, according to their nature, so they'll be happy? 
Now, how can I either use them or hate them? So the renunciate men, the renunciate women, we expand our affection to the whole world as family with no mood of exploiting anyone, with no mood of seeing ourselves as object, and no mood of seeing anyone else as an object. Everyone is my family. The grasshoppers, the ants, the frogs, when to speak of the other Vaishnavas and Vaishnavis. And I don't want to exploit anyone. That is Krishna's property. This is Krishna's devotee for Krishna's pleasure, not for my pleasure. Where does my pleasure come from? From having Radhamadava in the heart and serving Radhamadava, serving Mahaprabhu, serving Shri Prabhupada. That's where I get my pleasure. So I am filled with pleasure, like a, like a fountain. And in an eternal fountain that keeps supplying more and more water. So many times, Prabhupada said, the devotee is full. So the devotee is full with pleasure in Krishna consciousness. Therefore, there's no emptiness to fill by trying to exploit another jiva. They can simply give to the other jivas appropriately for the particular material situation without attachment and without aversion. And never thinking that anyone is my particular object of exploitation. And for especially, we should say that the, the lady renunciates should be very careful of never seeing their own body as an object of enjoyment. And then in married life, so the man should think, this is my service to take care of this jiva in the form of a woman. This is my service. That Krishna is so kind that he's giving me a service that's also purifying me and facilitating some of my material desires. And the woman is thinking, let me be this man's good intelligence and Krishna consciousness. The woman is called street. She who expands. So the nature of the woman is to say, I want more clothes. I want a bigger house. I want a nicer car. Even the devotee would just because you can't write Krishna doesn't mean you don't have that nature. But instead, expand bhakti. Uh, so actually, be the good intelligence for your husband. Ex- expand his love of bhakti and engage in bhakti together. And then everybody has a place and everyone is valued. Then our Hare Krishna movement will be so attractive. Well, we'll have to keep people out so we won't have any room to bring them in. Then we will have an actual Vaikuntha atmosphere. So it's explained in the third canto of Vaikuntha, everyone appreciates everyone else's service. There's a mood of appreciation and everyone is engaged according to their particular propensities with no mood of exploitation. So the only way we can do this, whether we're in the Brahmachari, Grahasta, Vanaprasta, or Sanyasa Ashram, whether we are a man or a woman, whether we are old or young, is we have to be getting our satisfaction from Krishna. We can't do it artificially. Maybe a little while, maybe a year or two or five years, you can do it by repression and artificiality and aversion and disgust, maybe but not long-term. And who wants to be averse and disgusted anyway? Chan Hare Krishna and feel disgusted. That's not our philosophy. <laughs> Hate everybody. Chan Hare Krishna, be happy. So one has to be connected with the source. That's just the only way. That means real Krishna consciousness. That means not just Hare Krishna, okay, Hare Krishna, up 16. It means real deal. I am the Dhanu Dikin Karam Patitamam Vishame Bhavamujo. That kind of chant. That kind of kirtan. That kind of jamba. Reading the books, delving into the books, these are Prabhupada's ecstasies. 
doing our service, such a nice letter, Shiloh Prabhupada wrote to Jaikita Maharaj, that surrender to Krishna means whatever I'm doing, never mind what it is, I do it to my best ability. And I remember exactly what I was, the full focus. Whatever this is for Krishna. If I'm cleaning the toilet, I'm cleaning it for Krishna. When I deal with the other devotees, this is Krishna's devotee. How can I serve this devotee so Krishna will be happy? How can I help this devotee be properly situated? How can I never think of exploiting or hating this devotee, but always try to have this so they're properly situated? If it's not my job to properly situate them, at least I wish them well that they are properly situated. But we have to be connected with Krishna. There's no other alternative. There's no shortcut. And that's what we want. We want to be connected with Krishna. Then naturally, we'll never want to exploit or harm anyone. We'll never want to see anyone as an object. Whether male or female or animal or above. And even our objects, we will treat with respect. And then even in this life and even in this world, God has brought an this wonderful purport. One can become happy. Even at home. At the next canto, we'll go to the forest of material enjoyment, but one can be happy even at home. So I'll stop here. Questions, comments, corrections, additions, subtractions, chastisements? Yes, Prabhu. Bustive. Like.
you're going to develop the nature and propensities of your children. If you're a good temple leader, you're going to develop the nature and propensities of the devotees under your care. If you're a good husband, you'll engage in what the Bhagavatam. The woman has to be engaged in religious activities. And she should be thoroughly conversant with religious principles. If you're a good husband, you're going to engage your wife according to her nature. And if the marriage is proper, then the husband and wife are very similar in nature. One of the reasons for that, several reasons why is advised husbands and wives have similar nature, is then service to your husband and service according to your nature of the same. Good night, it's not a contradiction. The problem comes when you have mixed harness. When the husband's service and the husband's nature is radically different from that of the wife, and the only and then the woman is stuck. That if she wants to try to take on her husband's mentality, she's repressing her nature. And Krishna says you can't repress your nature. He says that through chapter 18, chapter. He said you can't repress your nature. You just can't. You have to argue with Krishna. Okay, he says you can't do it. Krishna tells her, you made your choices, or use your nature from me, or use your nature from Maya. And I've never seen anywhere in the scriptures where it says that something applies to men. So women also have natures. Women have run with such a relationship with natures also. So the idea is that marriage should be among the same environment. Just like the Pandavas, it's explained in Mahabharata, they were engaging Jopadi as the secretary of the treasury. And she was managing the royal household, which was 100,000 people. She was like the mayor of a small city. So that was her service to her husband. Her service to her husband was helping manage the government because she was a Chachani. Mother Soda is helping Nandamaraj take care of the cows on the farm. I mean, there was still a division of labor between men and women, but she's doing Vaisha activities. She's not doing Chachani activities. Prabhupada talks about you see the weaver. You know, the man is doing part of the job and the woman is doing part of the job. So whether, you know, she had any division. So that's ideal. And Prabhupada liked it if the husband and wife were preaching together. So we know many couples like this. Husband and wife, they're both translating, but they're both preaching. That's ideal. You know, sometimes it doesn't work out for us. Sometimes the, the, the nature of the husband and wife is very different. And just like Ardhamuni, he married a princess. So at first she was living like an austere Ramana, but then you can understand she maybe she's not really happy. You know, he gave her a palace and an opulence. So if you do marry someone who has a very different nature, just as advised. And if it's done, the wife's nature should be lower. Then the man has to make some arrangement to make sure she otherwise she'll do her nature anyway. If you don't give the woman a facility to do her nature for Krishna, she'll go out and live her life. At least according to Krishna, you can't stop it. It's not something you can stop. It. But I don't see those in a nice society, I don't see those as contradictory. I see them as complementary. So people are trained properly and they're married properly. Then everything's taken care of. Problem is so happy to see the husbands and wives preaching together. Very happy. He said, show it by practical example that there's no bar for anyone to practice of Christian consciousness. And when Jananda died, then Jananda Mata was traveling Yes, then come Oh, wait, the, the mic's back there. We'll take it. Yes, come We'll give preference to the man who's already got the mic in his hand. Hi. Hi, Yeah, uh, two questions. Yes. You mentioned that uh, the men look at the women as the object of enjoyment, while the women look at the whole body as the object of enjoyment. <laughs> I was wondering if there is a particular reference by Prabhupada and Shastra or the British Jagas. Because my understanding has been that the men look at the woman and everything else in this material world as an object of enjoyment. Similarly, the woman also looks at 
same purpose, supposed to get to the point where it's time. You don't need any more pain killers. We are also now a complete person because you're meditating on our Christian mind. But maybe you need to get there with the help of a wife or the help of a husband. That's all. And wherever you get there, you get there. Another devotee gave me the analogy. The fastest way to get from here to Delhi is by plane. But suppose you don't know how to fly a plane. Then maybe it's faster to go by car. If you don't know how to drive a car, maybe it's faster to go by bicycle. If you don't know how to ride a bicycle, maybe it's faster to walk. So it's says, oh, better to go by plane. But if you don't know how to fly a plane, you crash, you're in the hospital, and the guy going by bicycle gets there before you. You have to be honest. What am I suited for? Am I suited for a bicycle, a car? What do I have to call? What do I have the other car for? Again, we're all going to the same place. It's just the means of going there may be a little different. Ultimately, means is the same bhakti, but how we're going to progress in bhakti for each of us is a little different, a different, a different stages of our life. Nice to explain in Bhagavad Gita, I heard about the local Niyamanda section. Different regulations at different stages, at different times in one's life. And what's positive at one point is not positive at another point. In the Rasta Ashram, you keep your wife beloved, always embraced on your chest, figuratively, not literally. And in Vana you may just go. The time of the just went. Now that you can't, so she brought that control to the birthday event. So what's a religious principle at one stage? Is it a religious principle at another stage? Does that help you? Maybe the way you're going to get Radha Krishna in your heart is a prahasta, is with the good intelligence of your wife. And when you're in the Vanakrasa Ashram, you no longer need the good intelligence of your wife to keep Radha Krishna in your heart. As a prahasta, you may need the wife to say, Prabhu, Is she want to watch that movie? I don't think it's good for the kids. Maybe when you're grass, so that's what you need. Hopefully you don't need that when you're 60. When you're 60, you've got a push in your heart where they got your wife because you're doing intelligence for that. It's okay. Clear? Yes, ma'am.
things like that. Uh, but as, as a general, as a general comment on uh, what is something I saw in India, I was talking to one devotee in another part of India, who runs a college preaching program. So we said we go to the colleges and we give a presentation, and then we take the email addresses of the interested men. I said, oh, what about the ladies? Oh, we don't purposely exclude the ladies. So then we have a follow-up meeting with the, with the men that we got their email addresses, and then we have continued programs for the interested men. I said, what about the women? Oh, we don't purposely exclude the women. So he gave me like five things. He kept saying, we don't purposely exclude the women. And finally I said, well, if you purposely exclude the women, what would it look like? I said, you may have named them in the devotees. He said, well, not really. I said, are the women who are interested? He said, oh, yeah, there's plenty of women who are interested. We just don't have any thing to follow up with them, although we're not excluding them. And uh, I said, well, do a lot of the men who become devotees want to get married? He said, yes. I said, who do they marry? He said, well, this is really a big problem because they're ending up marrying undevoted women, and then their whole spiritual life is suffering. They're miserable. I would say they're going to be happy. I said, so even if you don't care about the women, even if you couldn't care for all the women in India go to hell, just even if you only care about the men, you should try to make the women the devotees for the sake of the men. And I said, I looked at him and I said, you're going to get married, right? He said, yeah. I said, you're going to get married. Do you not make any women into devotees? And he said, well, who's going to train them? I said, you have no secret women. Yes, I'm 